Hey, this is Aaron Zimmerman from St. Albans Episcopal Church in Waco, Texas. And thank you again for joining me for this third of three sermons I'm preaching as part of this Lenten preaching series at the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. For the past two days, we've been in the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter. The first day we talked about Jesus's interaction with some children and his commandment that we be like children to enter the kingdom of God. He set up this dichotomy of being like a child or not being like a child and said we have to be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. The second time we talked about this passage, we looked at the next section, which is about Jesus having a conversation with the rich man, and he sets up another dichotomy. He says that it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, and uh, the message is that we need to uh, not be like that, but need to be like people that give up everything to follow Jesus, and in that giving up is where we find the kingdom of God. In the passage that we get to today, he's not gonna talk about the kingdom of God directly, but it's implied through the whole thing. As we've said before, the kingdom of God is the place where God is in control. It's not heaven up there. It's not some place you ride some crystal escalator into the sky. The kingdom of God is here and now, as Jesus says, and it is what the world looks like when God is in control, you are in right relationship with God and with your fellow humans, even the people in your house, as hard as that may be to believe, especially after if you've been cooped up with them for a while because of shelter in place orders. So those are the dichotomies we get in these passages we've looked at before today. Today, we're going to get another dichotomy, two different ways of being in the world as we finish up this look at Mark chapter 10. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to preach about it. But before that, let's pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I said that this passage in Mark 10 has two ways of being in the world. Let's see if you can pick up on it as we now read. And this is Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. 
When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Here ended the lesson. So these two ways of being in the world, the first one that I um, want to talk about is exemplified in the movie Napoleon Dynamite, this sort of cult classic that came out, uh, filmed in Idaho by a bunch of people who were basically friends and wanted to make this independent, quirky little movie about a high school loser and his friend, uh, a Mexican immigrant named Pedro Lopez. Pedro runs for student body president at this rural school in Idaho. And when he gets up to make his speech, his campaign speech, uh, wearing a wig due to a head shaving accident and wearing an ill-fitting suit, he says to his fellow students, vote for me and all your wildest dreams will come true. Vote for me and all your wildest dreams will come true. And this is the first way of being in the world, to be the kind of person who wants all their wildest dreams to come true, that wants what they want. Uh, whether you're like the Beatles who sing about money, that's what I want, or whether you're like, um, was it Ariana Grande who said, the heart wants what it wants. So we want what we want, we want these things, um, and we go through the world uh, seeking to possess things, seeking to grab power, grasping for possession and achievement, uh, this grasping way of being at the world. If you want to have an image of it, it's sort of just think about somebody who's always grasping for more. And it isn't always material things. Sometimes it's status. Sometimes it's religious piety. Sometimes it can be uh, just achievement, being the best at something. You can see this uh, at people who try to one-up each other in little things in life. If you've ever known someone who, whenever you tell them something, has to one-up it in some way, there was a famous, at least in my mind, because I always think about it, a cartoon in The New Yorker that was labeled Narcissist Greeting Cards Incorporated, and it showed different cards from this company. And the, um, the uh, Bon Voyage card, the travel card, the sort of have a nice trip card, on the front it said Bon Voyage, and in the inside it said I once went to France. You know, this is how some people act, this grasping way of always having to be the best or to top another person. So it looks different for different people, but just think about this wildest dreams coming true, grasping at things and trying to achieve. Uh, grab the brass ring, as they used to say, uh, in a um, uh, reference to Greek mythology. So that's how we, uh, many of us, are taught to be in the world. Look out for number one. Grasp it. Whereas then this other way of being in the world, and this would be the way that Christianity represents and tries to talk about, um, where Jesus says you have to die in order to live. You have to give up in order to possess. You have to 
um, live in this upside down reality where like at the end of this passage, Jesus says the last are first and the first are last. So if you're grasping, trying to be first in Jesus land, you're actually putting yourself at the very back of the line. So these are the two ways of being in the world, this grasping way, which we all do, Pedro says, all your wildest dreams will come true, or this way of being in the world where instead of grasping, you let go, you give up and you yield. We see these two ways, ways of being a human, ways of being in the world in this passage. And I wanna talk through what we see here in Mark 10 uh, in a little bit more detail. Uh, and then I want to see if we can find some hope for graspers, because that's who you and I are all the time. We want what we want. We want our wildest dreams to come true. We want to go back to four weeks ago when we thought coronavirus was a problem somewhere else, far away. We want to go back to what your stock portfolio was two months ago. We want to go back to the time when our children were young and things made sense. We want to go back to the first marriage that we ruined and wish we hadn't and things were better then. You wanna go back to your days in college when you felt like you had close friends and you haven't felt that way in a long time. We always wanna go, go back to these things. Um, so we're graspers and I wanna walk through this passage where we can find some hope for people that are always trying to grasp, trying to get our wildest dreams to come true. So what we see in Mark 10 is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Yeah, it says that he's, you get the sense that he's really hurrying there. As he's walking with the group of his disciples, it says that Jesus is walking ahead of them. Uh, they're sort of afraid, the passage says. They're hanging back a little bit. They're taking their time because Jesus has already predicted his death. Um, they're, they're sort of worried about his mental state, what will happen, where they're going. Uh, but Jesus is, uh, has a fire under him. He's walking ahead of them. He's leading the way. Um, and um, he tells them what's gonna happen to them. He says, I'm going to die. And he has no illusions about what his giving up and his non-grasping approach to life will mean. He says he will be um, mocked, he will be spit upon, he will be flogged, and he will be killed. Very clearly, he says, this is what's going to happen to him. And he does say, after three days, he will rise again. So this is how Jesus begins this conversation, very direct. Jesus was not one to beat around the bush. After this, um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of thunder, these are real whippersnappers, they, they rush ahead of maybe the group of disciples that are still hanging back and they catch up to Jesus after hearing him. And uh, they, uh, they say, we want you to make our wildest dreams come true. See, they're graspers. It actually says in the text, um, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And when Jesus says, well, what do you ask? They say, when you come into your glory, we want to sit at your right and left hand. What they are thinking is that Jesus is going to be a king, that he's marching to Jerusalem to take over. And I want you to note two things. First, they have not heard a word that he has said. He has just said, I will be arrested by the powers that be, uh, in the Jewish world, handed over to the powers that be in the Roman world, and they will torture me and kill me and I'll die. And they don't hear a word of what he says. They say, uh, they think what he's going to do is take power. He will usurp power, defeat the Romans, and take over uh, the throne in Jerusalem as the king of the Jews, the new son of David. 
And so what they're asking for is when you achieve this coup, Jesus, when you establish your political and military dominance, we would like to be your senior vice president, cabinet member, and something really good, like secretary of state or treasury, something like that. We don't want to do um, uh, housing and urban development or agriculture. Don't want that. We want really prominent, high-level positions to sit on your right and left hand when you come into your glory. So Jesus, when you make all your wildest dreams come true, see, we tend to think that Jesus is a grasper too. We then want him to make our wildest dreams come true. And that's exactly what they ask for from Jesus. And of course, Jesus says, you don't really know what you're asking. And in some sense, you will receive what is about to happen to me, because of course, we know that in Jesus's death, we also die. And we know that these disciples will face persecution for their faith, for sure. But Jesus uh, does not give them what they ask for. And so he pulls everybody aside um, to talk because they all, all the other disciples hear what James and John have asked from Jesus, and they're angry. Now, um, <laughs> they're not angry because they um, think that they have been um, you know, too graspy. They're angry because they want it too. They're jealous. And so that's why Jesus has to say this to all of them. It says he pulls all of them together. He doesn't just single James and John apart for this little word he's going to give to them. And he says, um, the way that you have seen people act, James and John in this situation, but it applies to everybody, is grasping. Uh, they're, they're searching for power and possession and control, achievement, acquisition. And you know that when people get it, they lord it over people. They're tyrants. And he says, but not for you. And this is where he presents, again, that second way of being in the world, not grasping, but letting go. And he says, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. So he presents to us that second way of being in the world, not the grasping, but the letting go. And if we end it here, it might be a beautiful thought, a nice sentiment, but it would not be of much help to you and me because we have a problem. We are addicted to grasping. We are inveterate graspers. We always want to be in control. We always want to possess more. Even if you would go to a hermitage and wear a robe and shave your head, you would still find yourself grasping. You would want to be the best monk, the humblest monk. Uh, you would want to have the most spiritual prayers. And honestly, you would probably still just spend most of your time thinking about ESPN or HGTV or whatever your distraction is. Um, and uh, we have this grasping problem. So fortunately, Jesus doesn't end here. He says, after noting that we have this grasping problem, and after seeing it with James and John and the rest of the disciples, and then telling them that this is not the way to be, but one must give up um, and one must serve and be slave of all, that's the way to give up. He doesn't end there. He has this about who he is. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now this is good news for us graspers who, uh, who always want to take control and always want to achieve and be the powerful ones, always want to have our wildest dreams come true, always want to have our own glory. 
Jesus knows that the better, more peaceful, more holy way is this self-emptying, the giving up, but he knows we can't do it. So he says this beautiful thing at the end, the Son of Man comes to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is a price that is paid to free someone who is bound, someone who is trapped, someone who is possessed by things or controlled by things that are outside of their control. So for Jesus to end this way, what he is saying is to the disciples, you are graspers. I've told you that the way of life is to let go and not be this ego-driven, narcissistic, self-absorbed, sinful, manipulative, sad little person. But I know you can't do it. So I, seeing your bondage, seeing your bound nature, I am the ransom. I'm coming to give my life as a ransom for many. For the disciples, yes. For James and John, definitely. But also for you and me. For us graspers. A concluding word. It is Lent. It is the end of Lent. I know so many people who tried to give something up for Lent and now it's all toast because of coronavirus. They have needed all their coping mechanisms which they gave up for Lent. And this is the graspy nature of the human heart. And like I said earlier, this time of suffering and trial, which we will go through in the coming weeks and months and years, will serve to highlight our own grasping nature. The way uh, we'll long for the good old days, the ways that we'll wish that things were different. And that is, in some respects, natural for human beings like us. But what I want you to take with you is Jesus's powerful insight into who you are. The fact that he knows that you are bound, that you cannot just snap your fingers and improve yourself uh, and just somehow become this Zen detached person. So the precious gift of Jesus Christ for us who do Lent badly, who do life badly, who do Christianity badly, who are not good at having faith and are much more like James and John in the story than we would care to admit. And we just want Jesus to make our wildest dreams come true. That's his main function and we'd like to remind him of that. For you, when things don't work out and your grasping heart is sad because it hasn't been able to grab what it wants, Remember that Jesus has given himself as a ransom for you. He has given himself to free you from the bondage that you have, to offer himself for your sins and for the sins of the whole world, to face the death that you cannot face, to set you free, and so that you would know so profoundly how he adores you, how he loves you, how he delights in you, to give himself as a ransom for many, to give himself as a ransom for you is just another way and the most powerful way for him to say to you, I love you. And that's what we need this day and always. For the Son of Man came not to serve, not, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this text and what it says to us, and we ask that you would sink it deep into our hearts, that you came to give your life as a ransom for us, that we would be free from our bondage and experience new life with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm.